0: DRIVE BY CINEMA
1: Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun Welcome, Season 2, Episode 15 of DRIVE BY CINEMA Hallelujah! I am Rick, and with me, recovering from a long illness, is my co-host Paul Paul, yes,
0: erstwhile Paul. I'm sometimes Paul. I'm often Paul. I'm usually Paul, I can confirm. Uh, But what a day, what a moment, episode 15, a particular milestone that I want to celebrate for no apparent reason. But how do we get here, Richard? I'm bringing the serotonin tonight, by the way.
1: We should be talking about the state of lockdown and COVID, shouldn't we, for our future historians when they're listening to the show?
0: Well, I didn't want to rattle your cage, but there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Oh. And that was a cancellation of hs2 just to prove that this is cotemporaneous with
1: the with the publishing dates they haven't cancelled hs2 they've only cancelled one small part of it which goes to leeds or something it would be like saying
0: you know having volunteered to you know to bottom on the it's gonna com website that you, that, you, that you that your internal organs haven't been majorly re- reorganized afterwards <laughs> Of course it's been cancelled.
1: <laughs> just because they're not going all the way, Paul, doesn't mean that we aren't getting an HST. They go all the way
0: on it's gonna hurt.com. Look, okay, look. Y- well, okay, let's do these one by one because I'm getting all kind of stimmed by this. Let's go number one. Number one. Was what? Lockdown. I, I just don't know. I just know that two hundred people are dying every day, Richard, in the UK.
1: That's all I know. Yeah, but we're not locked down. Very few people bother wearing masks. Uh-huh. I wear masks, but nobody else does. Well that's lockdown
0: done then. Number two? No. No, because I, I happened to leave the Northwest uh for whatever reason, I don't know.
1: You did, you've been all over the place of as as me. Just
0: either. all kinds of mistakes. The pretty bit. Um, the chocolate box bit of the UK. Cotswolds. Driving through the Cotswolds, which I think is near the Chilterns. Yeah. Maybe it's not.
1: They're like next to each other, aren't they? Small I mean,
0: apart from looking at every village and thinking, what in the Penelope Keith is this? Uh, apart from that reaction, it was just depressing to see that the rest of the country isn't in such a dire state, uh, as where shit life syndrome exists up here in the Northwest. So, so yeah, that was the first thing.
1: In Blackpool. I mean, that's the, <laughs> Do, that's yeah. your problem.
0: Yeah. I volunteered. Yeah. So, I thought I could overcome it. You know, I thought, you know, I could, I could bring the serotonin to the party. And, uh, I, no, no. People say willpower is not finite, but I think it is. I think my experience here can confirm that, because I'm usually such a happy bunny. Sorry, Richard. Cool.
1: I was saying, I've been out of the country for the first time in 18 months or more.
0: Yeah, but you decided to go to a hermetically sealed thermos flask called Liechtenstein, didn't
1: you? A, a, a tiny principality, yes.
0: For the people but that say Riesling, I hope you're happy about that. Lichtenstein Lichtenstein, okay I got it right
1: yeah so but it's a big Lichtenstein
0: ah you said Lichtenstein like a scouser or something that's wrong it's (laughs) Lichtenstein I hope my German (laughs) friends can confirm that I'm saying it correctly. yeah okay so how was Lichtenstein was it buzzing and banging and everything like that
1: no it's a terribly quiet place Lichtenstein even probably I suspected it's busiest but it was pretty quiet but they're pretty strict there. If you want to go to a restaurant, you have to show your vaccine passport on your phone. You have to wear masks everywhere, you know, on the public transport and stuff like that. It'd
0: be great yeah, if so. we could watch a movie about, you know, people living a quiet life in a hotel in maybe Switzerland or somewhere like that, wouldn't it?
1: Well, only if we decide to at the end of this one, Paul. Well, let's, let's because... make a note
0: to do that. Wow. Okay, so, and how was lockdown in Liechtenstein or its absence thereof?
1: Well, as I say, you know, you have to have Swiss COVID passport on your phone, but uh, you know life carries on. People are working and going to restaurants, but there's more mask wearing there. And I think it seems I think the numbers in Europe are going up faster than they are here. And is is the restaurant experience a
0: joyful celebration of communal, kind of multi ethnic eating, or is it somewhat sterile and sober, overworked? post-modernist exercises in dribbling sauce over things.
1: I had a very interesting pizza served by an interesting bloke. That's all I'm going to say.
0: But Well, you were telling uh, me you had an, a, a palate cleanser that was beef on beef on beef on beef.
1: That was in the hotel restaurant, yes. I did indeed have a palate cleanser, which was, yeah, all beef. You could it beef, beef
0: terrapin, whatever that
1: is. No, it was beef terrine. Oh, beef terrine, I'm think, sorry served on a bed of beef carpaccio with beef cheese. Beef
0: calpaccio? What is this? What is this? Cornhole ill land? <laughs> beef <laughs> calpaccio, everybody. Wow. Okay. That is trippy. We've all been around that campfire, I think. Look, okay. Yes. So, oh, I'm glad you made it back, Richard, in your shower bank the skies.
1: All right. So, are we on to number two in the list here? Number two would be
0: uh uh Hs2 maybe
1: <laughs> hS2
0: <laughs> which you claim hasn't been cancelled today, and it has
1: only one part of the project has been cancelled. Yes, yeah, the look, railway yeah. line <laughs> <laughs> look I, don't I, don't get me wrong, I'm not defending the government's policy on anything because they are completely incompetent at almost everything they've done. The only thing they got right was accidentally buying all the vaccines in the world. But I mean that's not really that difficult, is it? It's not that's not a you know, real lateral thinking move, is it? It's it's straight up and down kind of idea. Everything else they've got wrong and they're continuing to get it just too wrong, but there we go. But we still get an HS two between Manchester and London. I think that's that's important. Well, I
0: mean, what amuses me is this is is supposed to be Boris's, if you like, bribe for votes having occurred to that part of the Northwest that are voting for him, kind of thing, uh, in this landslide, which he weirdly had. Uh, And so therefore the Northern Powerhouse, and it's simply not been about that. Now it's basically connecting Birmingham to London 10 minutes faster than they're already connected and throwing Manchester kind of like, you know tidbits uh, as a result of it. It's just it's a huge capitulation,
1: Richard. Come on. Look, yeah, the government are idiots, but don't be fooled by the common narrative that HS2 is about speed. It's not about speed. It's about the miraculous idea of building a new railway line rather than (laughs) trying to run more and more on the Victorian railway line. I mean, this country, you know, invented the railways.
0: Okay, these are the oldest railway a legacy lines architecture, of the world. a curse, and a curse, and, and a curse in disguise. Yeah.
1: Though, if you're going to have a better system, you have to build another railway line, a newer railway line, and it's going to be faster, probably, isn't it? You couldn't get much slower than a steam railway line with a steam loading gauge. So, the the beauty of HS2 is that it takes. The intercity traffic off the other lines, and you can put more exciting trains on the other lines. Like you can put, like, uh, what do they call them? Like um, sort of oh, sub-intercity.
0: Those when you see at the beach, which is towed by like a diesel, little diesel <laughs> engine <laughs> by a donkey. <laughs> oh, land train! <laughs> Donkey-led land trains. Donkey train. You
1: could put, put stopping services on the old line, which serve more people and do it quickly and efficiently, and let the intercity line shoot through, you know, London to Manchester or London to Birmingham or wherever. That's the idea. You're freeing capacity. You're freeing capacity. You hit
0: my interesting talk too quickly because I'm excited trigger point, which is loading gauges. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think you're right. But I mean, When we did build transformative railways in the late, early to early, mid 19th century, it was transformational, wasn't it, Richard? We took a gauge that was called canal and threw it out the window. So, although I'm with you.
1: We didn't throw it out the window. We still use canals.
0: We we did. We pulled them down the train. But we didn't really incorporate them to our new train design, did we? So I'm I'm not saying that we shouldn't have trains and new trains. but I'm just saying, if we're going to... What are you saying, Paul? What are you saying? I'm I'm saying, if we're going to replace it with something expensive, let's make it transformational.
1: Yeah, like, what, a monorail? Well, there's a Blackpool Pleasure Beach. No, you're thinking of the Hyperloop. (laughs) You want the Hyperloop, don't you? The the London to Manchester Hyperloop.
0: I think we discussed future transport modes. I I was trying to, you know, I was trying to...
1: Oh, you want a lazy river.
0: Well, I was trying to do it humorously, but you took me too seriously. You know, you took me literally and started mocking me. Look, okay. (laughs) The reason I said that is... Okay, let's get on to this. Have you ever been behind one of of those big uh, road-laying bitumen monsters? It's like a bitumen pooing dragon that sort of butts down the road like a giant steam locomotive
1: Paul I don't think you're supposed to be behind one of those you probably took the wrong turn did you take a turn did you go through some traffic (laughs) (laughs) cones why is it so slow why is the road so hot
0: (laughs) if you have then you realise that kind of like if you imagine all of us we're kind of all driving those old contraptions but they're producing air bitumen and not floor bitumen right (laughs) It's very strange that our transport solution up to this day is two-tonne bitumen air layers, yeah? Okay, they're (laughs) laying bitumen in the air. And we're all doing this, you know. Why would you choose to mostly transport yourself with two tons of metal tied to you? It's just really strange, Richard, yeah. We all agree on that. And I don't think trains are as strange, but they're still quite strange too, looking at it from that perspective. That's, that's my perspective. So when you say, hey, lazy rhythms are a really stupid idea, they're not stupid. I didn't stupid, say that. But they are a stupid idea. That's the point. <laughs> they're not as stupid as two and a half everybody having two and a half tons of metal tied to their body for, you know, one or two hours a day and then putting that two and a half tons of highly engineered and move, moving parts metal in a garden where the lawn should be or, you know, on the road where children playing games should be, kind of thing. It is really strange. Our solution we've come about around the entire world was all I was trying to suggest. So for me, our solutions need to be snackable, stackable, slottable, scalable, and also snackable. I'd like an edible transport solution.
1: You want. uh, I think what we both want is a driverless pod solution. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But it's scalable. So, like
0: the head of the pods, the underneath engine thing can can clip onto a bigger lorry one if you want the lorry transportation. And they can all. They can train together. Yeah. And I don't know why we're not thinking about that. It's all I'm saying, Rich.
1: You sound like Dean Kamen, the guy who invented the Segway. Before that came out, (laughs) he was saying it was going to change how. What (laughs) happened to him? That's a cliffhanger. (laughs) Spoiler alert. He fell off a cliff driving a Segway. He predicted that cities would change, you know, that have Segway-style, quasi-pedestrian things swooping around, and roads would be gone, and, and so on. And meanwhile, Sadly. every time we have one of those free bicycle schemes, they just chuck them on the canal, don't they? Not the scooters. Chuck them in the canal, continuously, until the company goes, busts, and leaves. That's what's <laughs> happening. Well, Manchester have
0: got another set, haven't they? Andy Burnham was on about it. He's got a new, he's got a new set, and they're better. And he's paid for them himself, so he's like lads, these are ours. We paid for them. Don't chuck them in the canal this time, thank you. So, and
1: we've got scooters. I know Liverpool have got scooters as well. You don't What's your name of your
0: scooter company?
1: Oh, is it lime or something? I'm not sure.
0: Oh, you've got lime. They're the posh ones from. They're the posh finance ones from America. Down in Oxford, where I went, they've got one that's called Choo Choo or something. I don't know what it's called, but they're orange. And I rescued one at five o'clock in the morning. It was letting its back beeping about 20 20 meters from its little little zone, little designated drop off zone. I picked it up and then it started protesting at being picked up. And then I pushed it and the lock was on its wheel, so it started beeping even louder. So I had to really lift it up off the floor so it wheeled so it wasn't wheeled and it was carried carried like a newborn back to its little, little resting rest place it was screaming all the way and when he got there I think it realised GPS wise it was where it should be and it kind of it kind of gave a very satisfied sort of <laughs>
1: hmm. so, yeah, felt good. well it. it sounds to me like what you're describing is that you attempted but were dissuaded from stealing <laughs> the electric scooter <laughs> <laughs> and on that note it's time for the music Well, oh,
0: Cabin in the Woods. Oh, sorry. Do we have to talk about this? Yes, we do. Cabin in the Woods. An did- old movie from 2011. It's what we're going to watch today. Or talk about today. We've already watched it. Well, I have anyway.
1: I don't know about Richard.
0: Yeah. Richard, you want me to talk about Cabin in the Woods? Is that right?
1: You. Well, I suggested this movie. You
0: did, yeah. Thank you.
1: My fault. And I did it because last week's movie, which I think was your suggestion. I don't know where the hell you got it from. It was the Italian, a classic horror horror film. And that, a classic horror film, was a sort of deconstruction of horror, wasn't it? It was, and
0: it was called... A classic horror film. It was called a classic horror film, thank you.
1: Goodness (laughs) sake.
0: We need some escape characters for this, don't we? (laughs) Like, you know, when using literals in a (laughs) computer language, you can backslash N or backslash R or backslash B. And then you can backslash M, backslash N, if you actually want to write backslash N. In your literal. If
1: you want to write backslash N, yeah.
0: But we haven't got that for the name of this movie, which is a classic horror film.
1: Backslash N, a classic horror film. It's called Backslash N, a classic horror film.
0: Which is a classic horror film. Well, it might become a classic horror film.
1: Or was it? It wasn't really a classic horror film. It was actually a non-classic horror film, ironically. Because really, it was a mafia making snuff movies that looked like all of the horror films you've seen in the last 10 years. Or yes. Over the course of this podcast.
0: We've also watched a movie uh, where uh, it's an escape room, but it's an escape room for snuff. Yes. I think it's called Escape Room, number two.
1: It was called Escape Room. Not Escape N Escape Room or <laughs> <laughs> Slash N Escape Character Escape Room. But I chose Cabin in the Woods because this is also a sort of modernist horror is, film yeah. broken down into its component parts and... Laid out on the counter for you to see.
0: With a, with a liberal dashing of, of, of easy to get along with humour.
1: I don't know whether whether this works. I mean, it's kind of clever, clever.
0: Well, it worked in 2000, 2011, because I think it did rather well at the box office.
1: By the way, this was made in 2010. It oh, nearly sorry. didn't come out, because Warner Brothers... No, was it Warner Brothers? No, MGM went bust. And this film had to be picked up by Lionsgate for distribution. I think they did that at the end of 2011, maybe 2012. So it had a rocky history. And it did make back, I think, twice as much as The Spend originally. It was made by Drew Goddard, who had been a writer on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And subsequently, I think, done Daredevil and a couple of other projects. He's quite well regarded, but he cut his teeth on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and he wrote this film with his friend and collaborator Joss Whedon, who is very closely associated with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, of course. The story goes is that they got a hotel room and just locked themselves in the hotel room for a week or two weeks or something and just wrote the movie. That sounds like quite an intense experience to be shut in a hotel room with with another bloke. For that long. I mean, I'm imagining I, I imagine it wasn't a travel lodge. Oh,
0: yeah, well don't get me started on travel lodges bloody hell, not in Oxford. The price of them,
1: honestly. <laughs> Very luxurious though, Paul, I'm sure. Did you have a, a kettle with uh, complimentary biscuits and little pots of milk? I mean, travel
0: lodges are okay, it's just that okay. They, everything's okay about it and I don't mind that just universal decor they've got, which is kind of like how Margaret Thatcher might fit out the <laughs> coverings for a, for a coach, for a you know for a, for a co- intercity coach.
1: Did you take pictures of the artwork in your hotel room? No, I didn't. I do that on all the hotels I go. I try and find the art and I take pictures of it. That's an amazing website that you should have there, Richard. I, I'm building a great collection for a website. Yeah. As a consequence of this. Uh, unfortunate consequence, I might argue. Well, maybe not unfortunate. But I can almost immediately identify which hotel chain most porn films have been filmed in. <laughs> simply <laughs> simply like the corporate art on display. That is
0: amazing. Anyway, so I've got nothing wrong with travelage Apart from they've got those stupid, stupid coat hangers that kind of hook onto <laughs> the, the the wood hooks onto the hook. Yes. It kind of wobbles and then falls off.
1: Yeah, because it's it's very common, isn't, is not it not, for people to steal coat hangers when they go to a hotel? It is. That's, that's the problem hotels are dealing with, is every time people go to hotels, they just steal all the coat hangers. Well, then why
0: not? Okay, then have the really annoying coat hangers that fall into bits, yeah, that have two parts to stop people stealing the whole thing. Then Uh, You know, it's a concession to me, why not just have, like, two coat hooks on the back of the door as well? Or is that to stop people hanging themselves?
1: (laughs) It's an indictment of the hotel chain, is it not? That they have to remove ways people could kill themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Did they have to take your shoelaces off you when you checked in? (laughs) Anyway, this has got nothing, very little, to do with Cabin in the Woods. Josh Whedon, yeah. Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard spent a couple of weeks, and I'm imagining they were in a hotel like the the Beverly Hilton or something in Hollywood. It, I think it was probably a suite, wasn't it? Where there were probably two rooms. They didn't have to stay in the same farty room. and they was probably, probably
0: a beautiful classic Hollywood hotel full of, you know, they were surrounded by original Googie architecture, and it was probably lovely.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was. And they would be sitting possibly at a glass table in the sitting room area or maybe at the raised bar area near the kitchen. And they would have been just going over this and punching ideas out. And the ideas that they came out with, Cabin in the Woods, are something that purports to be, I suppose, purports to be, a very standard kind of teen slasher movie where a group of five young people take their RV, which, of course, we did see in a classic horror movie, horror film as well, didn't we? They take their RV out to some cabin that someone's... One of their cousin's cabins, yeah. ...in the woods, and they're going to stay there and... Party. Yeah.
0: A couple of them are going to try and get off with one another... Weirdly, before they set off, one of them's talking about getting off with their professor for a really inordinate length of time, and nothing happens in it. A bit of it in the in the, in the plot line is weird. This false marker—I don't know what that was about.
1: Maybe not. Strangely, Buffy the Vampire Slayer doesn't she have quite a relationship with her mentor professor? I don't know. You don't watch Buffy, then? Maybe. Like, well, not for a long
0: time. No,
1: no I don't. but
0: you know, it's—I mean, it's showing its age. It's full of like bubbly, kind of often hypersexualized, kind of, not innuendo, but sort of chat about sex lives that possibly close friends don't do anymore.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's... Although they used to. It's of its era, and it's also of the genre, right? Horror movies, again, have this sexual frisson about them. There's always something going on. And so they were expressing that, I think. There's also the stoner guy, the guy who's got a a telescopic bong made out for travel mug. Now, I'm only just realising this, but
0: we, were the five supposed to mirror the characters in Scooby-Doo or not? <laughs> uh, well, Perhaps. this
1: is drawing from archetypes that run yeah. through all of horror. And if Scooby-Doo counts as some kind of horror, then yes, I suppose it does. It's like the Uh horror isn't it? Yeah, in a way. Except in Scooby-Doo, of course, there's never anything supernatural. It's always a bloke. In a mask, yeah, it's a good training for sceptics. It was a complete. It was training
0: for stoner rationalist scepticism, skepticism, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Psychonauts, be aware that your mind plays tricks on you. <laughs> quite serious, really, for the stoner era, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: They head off in their RV, and along the way, ostensibly
0: quite seriously at the moment. You know, I mean, the only thing you get is that the, the is that the stoner guy is quite witty.
1: Oh, He's quite and a of witty course. guy. Not to forget, one of the characters here is played by Chris Hemsworth, Thor.
0: Two of them are partners, yeah, and then the other guy and woman are kind of maybe going to get hit it off together or not?
1: Yeah, they're kind of matchmaking them, aren't they?
0: Yeah. stoner's yeah. just not got a chance with anybody. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Unless it go- gets freaky in there, you know.
1: I mean... <laughs> now, along
0: the way, they stop for gas. I say a cup of tea, Richard. Like oh, what?
1: Stopping for like, gas? No,
0: no, like. You know your relative experience in, in matters of love, and like you're hanging out with, you imagine he's a really good friend, maybe your bestie, his girlfriend, and they say, "Hey, come on, you know, just like get on the covers with us, and we'll sleep, we'll snuggle and spoon, and kind of not, they don't think that's sexual, you know, like we'll just like spoon together, and, and you know, be be little bugs in a in 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 a in a snug rug kind of thing, and then and then like and then at some point they say, "Hey, do you want to a threesome? Does that ever happen to you? Uh, that has, let me put it this way. That has what? happened to me. Really, it was like it's like this, this whole kind of you know we are teenagers sleeping in the same bed kind of thing. Okay, admittedly under covers, which makes it a bit dodger. Uh, but like, I never saw it coming. This the train coming this direction kind of thing. Anyway, there you go.
1: <laughs> I can honestly say that the threesomes that I've had did not come about in that way, and indeed I, I don't think could have done. Because I would have been skeeved out by them. I mean, it's just not... What, you don't want to be involved in somebody, like another lovey couple, do you? Oh, no, no. No. That's not... But why do they think I'd be interested in that? It's just so <laughs> weird, isn't it? So you politely declined what you... You exited the duvet. But in any case, the stoner's probably not going to
0: get any offers like that. It doesn't. It's not on the cards. It's never suggested it's going to be on the cards. He's going to get any any action this weekend.
1: Uh, at this point, they go to a gas station. It's an old-timey, yeah. you know... Tingling! Yeah, that's right. You you drive over a cable and the bell rings and an old guy comes out. Quite a hostile old guy. And he's trying to give them some kind of warning, isn't he, about the old place? We're
0: going up in them ills.
1: And it's at this point... He's not from the West Country in the UK, but, you know, you get the idea. I mean, it's it's at this point... Perhaps we've seen this already, but... We cut to a different scene. It, there's guys in like a government facility in a control. We room, do sort of underground, yes. and it seems like they're watching all of this playing out. I think earlier we'd seen actually possibly someone on a rooftop overlooking where they were, where the kids were leaving in the RV, and someone radioed back saying something, you know, code names or something or other is on the way or something.
0: How do you feel about this, Richard? Like a funda- fundamental, fundamental aspect of the plot we were let into the Bat secret straight away.
1: Yeah. I didn't like that. Well, this is all part of how it's unstitching the horror genre, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's the, the idea yeah. is that the whole situation that we're about to watch, which on the face of it seems like a standard teenage slasher movie, is actually being carefully engineered. Engineered, yeah. And it turns out from the conversations they're having, it's a this kind of stuff is happening in different locations. They say Stockholm has failed, and they talk about, well, maybe Japan, maybe Tokyo will sort it out. And then they're going to also be trying the same thing. And the illusion here is that there's some kind of ritual going on that they're all trying to enact. And maybe only yes. one of them needs to do it, but they, they do it several times in different locations to try and guarantee that it happens. So it seems to be a global phenomena, and these guys seem to have done it a lot. Because you get the impression, by the way, that they're acting, that this has become like a routine job for them.
0: A global phenomenon is sweeping the the world uh, as exciting as the Macarena and possibly better funded. So there you (laughs) go.
1: Better funded than the Macarena?
0: Yes, I would say definitely better funded. They've got all kinds of weird electronic gizmos and all kinds of uh, control panels going on here, all kinds of you know full-wall kind of... uh, control screens and status report screens going on it's brilliant yeah well done because when You're I brilliant. think about
1: the Macarena I don't go immediately oh there's some heavyweight government funding gone into that dance craze <laughs> no
0: no you don't this is this is the amazing thing about the Macarena people don't realise it was a government programme <laughs> subtle that's the power you see the power of covert government anyway where were we yeah so so that's and they head
1: on they don't heed the warnings they head off over the mountains, through a tunnel, they call him the harbinger, don't they? In back in the control room, are two gu- yeah. the two guys in the control room, they call him the harbinger, and they take a call this is from funny, him. By the way, it it's is funny. Out, funny. It is funny, yeah. And he, he's got him on speakerphone, and he's complaining. <laughs> the harbinger's complaining about some shit. Have you got me a speakerphone. <laughs> no, oh yeah, I can hear it. Sorry, I'll take you off speakerphone. He pretends not, pretends to, but he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it is <laughs> genuinely,
0: genuinely funny. Yeah.
1: It's definitely got a good sense of humor this film, I don't deny that.
0: So yeah, when they're at the petrol when they're at the gas station, as they say in America, and you know, this uh this kind of the character that would be played by Woody Harrelson in a better funding movie uh is <laughs> being rude to them and being yokel about it all. Uh the Soda Guy does have, you know, some nice repartee like, Oh well, you better move out of the way, they'll be
1: building uh The railroad is gonna come through here. <laughs> Not if you have anything to do with it, Paul. You'd get rid of the HS2, wouldn't you? That'd be it. No, I, I never said that, Richard. I never said that I would. Steam railroads, you're all for.
0: Yeah. So, so straight off the bat, it comes out as a funny movie. Yeah. So we're thinking this is going to be a complete kind of like uh, disaster movie take on on the horror genre. You know, it's just going to be a Leslie Nielsen kind of thing escapade, and it's
1: not really. The harbinger seems. That Harbinger guy seems a real zealot, doesn't he? He says something about yeah. cleansing the world of ignorance and sin. And at this point,
0: you kind of think, are they working for him?
1: Hmm. But they're not. It kind of comes across like that. But it does probably a little not little bit, no. yeah. They're, but but they're, they don't respect him, do they? They treat him. No, no, But this is the thing, you know, you get the <laughs> idea that these guys are so casual about this all, like they've done it a hundred times, you know, and the other members of their team, you know, they're, they're all, these two guys, I wish I knew the actors were, these two guys uh, they're being looked up to by the other team members.
0: Yeah, they're kind of like the, the the cool guys in the control room at a nuclear power station, I guess. A little too
1: cool. Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: before Chernobyl went up, went up. I'm guess I'm guessing there was somebody in there listening to Talking Heads and smoking a cigarette when they shouldn't have been, kind of thing. They're those kind of guys, you know.
1: Uh, so, meanwhile, the kids have moved into their creepy old log cabin in the woods. Yeah, it's a nice cabin. They drive first they drive through this like tunnel, like a a, a road tunnel through a the mountainside.
0: And then they arrive in this which will become important later plot-wise.
1: They arrive in this very secluded area. We get a clue, don't we, as we watch them drive through the valley that they emerge into. A bird is flying uh through along the valley as it goes towards where their RV is driving. It hits this kind of grid this geodesic dome. Ah, yeah, they don't see that, though. Do they, they don't see it. No, we're in. We do. We're aware, but
0: they are not. So they're behind or in some sort of protective matrix, kind of thing. Oh.
1: Well, they get to the log cabin and they unpack their stuff and they're finding which rooms they want to go in and stuff like that. And at uh, so this point, we get a bit of a. They get a bit of a clue that something funny going on with this place because one of them, I think the. The girl is not coupled up. She moves a picture from the wall because probably because it was ugly. And there's a window in it into the next room. Or is it the guy doing this? Maybe it's, it's the, the guy. Then the girl. Yeah. Either way, other way but, you know. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So he moves the picture, and it's a window looking into the next room. And on her side, when she's in her room, she thinks it's a mirror. It's a, It's what they call a one-way mirror, although it's a strange word to use isn't it because mirrors are all one way aren't they <laughs> I mean, it's really a, a two-way mirror right no have you ever heard that thing that people say it's an old wives tale by the way but how can you tell whether the mirror in the bathroom i was just is... going to bring this up oh really so what have you heard the ghost double image if you press a coin against it kind of... but that's not true is it i mean let me put it this way it is for older mirrors. All mirrors have a ghost double image because you get a reflection from the silvered back and you get a That's reflection right, yeah. from the shiny glass front. So you, you're you bound to get a double, a double reflection. But how do they work one-way mirrors? A normal mirror, I think, <clears throat> has... Um, it's silvered, obviously. The glass is silvered or whatever they put on them these days. Presumably not silver. Um, it's got a metal coating. And then they've got an opaque back on the, on the back of it, oh. painted on. If you took the opaque back off, I think all mirrors would work like that. The principle wow. is just you have a dark room on one side, and the thing you want to look at is well illuminated. Mm-hmm. So when a person looks at the mirror, they just see a reflection of the room that they're in, because it's much brighter. And they cannot see the dark room on the other side, because obviously it's much darker than their reflection. In the same way that it's quite difficult to look out of your windows at night if you've got the light on, because you just see a reflection of your own room with the lights on, and you can't see the darkness outside because it's much dimmer. So you said no special
0: technology has gone into the making of this into this mirror.
1: No, I don't believe so. I think it's just a matter of tuning how much um, metallic coating you put on the. On the glass, and wow. the the other magic is the lighting. It must be darker on the secret side, so maybe that's where that myth comes from. But in any event, it is a myth. These things are going to look like box. ordinary glass, but uh, ordinary mirrors. But if you p- probably if you put your eye up against them and blocked the light out, you'd probably be able to see through it.
0: If you don't do this, you're going to be on somebody's only fans revenue stream. So there we go, right? But I mean. <sighs> Like, so they can see each other becoming progressively more naked and they don't really decide not to to, to sort of ogle each other. Uh, and they, they do say, hey, guys, there's like a one-way mirror here. And everybody says, oh, gosh, don't be watching me. Like the guy says, don't be watching me. I'm Did, in sex. Do you I... want
1: to swap rooms? Yeah. And so yeah. she watches him get undressed then and she can't help herself but bite a lip. And then she puts the picture back, I think. Uh, but they've got maybe an inkling that something weird is going on with this place. Yeah. And they end up going down into the cellar, don't they? Dun-dun-dun. Uh, but meanwhile, the guys in the, secu- in the control room bunker thing, uh, are they? do they emit some kind of gas into the place? At some point, they decide. Uh, it's a pheromone gas. Not before
0: they start a sweepstake on who's going to die first,
1: I don't think. That's right. Yeah, with a whole office kind of thing. As a <laughs> it's not on who's. It's, I'm not sure it's who's going to die first, so much as it's on something. Who's yeah. going to do the killing, or who it's going to be? That's right. Now, uh, so they release this pheromone gas into the blood. That's right. Yeah, they apparently want to make them all horny and crazy about stuff. Again, another horror trope. Of course, is that if you have, you know. Um, if you have sex before marriage, if you go and out and have fun, you're going to be attacked by the evil monster or the serial killer or whatever, and and possibly Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, oh my God! So sure. this provokes the young lady who's. But I was just watching some. I was
0: watching some YouTube, not TikTok. I was watching some YouTube clips about Jim will fix it, and it's just this one. <laughs> This one episode where this girl wants to record a song, and Jim says, "Oh look, the best person to help record a song here he is my special guest Gary Glitter." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rolf Harris is on the same episode helping somebody learn to
1: paint, but it's just like, oh my gosh. Anyway, sorry, Richard. <laughs> yeah. So this prompts the young lady who is shacked up with. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, to she's dared in A Game of Truth or Dare to kiss the wall-mounted head of a wolf. Yeah! I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me of that, that. And she does this by doing a, a really seductive dance for the wolf head. Sick-inducing moment. <laughs> and then she gives it a full no. tongue kiss. It's so <laughs>
0: revolting.
1: <laughs>
0: it's amazing.
1: It's really well done by the actress. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal. Great scene, and um, so she's clearly affected by this pheromone. She drags her boyfriend off. They decide to go out into the woods at oh. night to have sex, as you do.
0: do, a, do a, as they call it, a knee shake.
1: Actually, we've skipped the bit. They go down to the cellar, don't they, and discover all kinds of weird things in the cellar.
0: That's how they invoke the the you know the sort of animatronic choice that they invoked.
1: Well, we, they don't know that. It's of course, anima-
0: we don't know it's not anim- animatronic at the moment. Actually. But It seems to be some sort of animatronic, you know, a very very sophisticated.
1: Are you suggesting that they're at a, a theme park?
0: Yeah, like a, like an animatronic theme park sort of, uh, sort of
1: like the laughing policeman, The laughing
0: policeman, or, 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 or the you know the the umpar Bear Band kind of thing. You know, <laughs> there's kind of like a suggestion that what they've done is they've they've pressed the button to have one of these sort of scare effects come to life. But I think, in the end, it's implied that it's that's not the case. It's not
1: implied, Paul. It's very definitely not. It's not, it's the not case. Disney yeah. animatronics. <laughs> it's actual it's a, <laughs> supernatural <real> killers. Ghouls. <laughs> so they've invoked
0: one kind of, uh, of ghoul killer, which I think is the hillbilly family that went mad and murdered each other kind
1: of thing. That's right, yeah. They were reading the diary, the very disturbing diary from this family, and how They've they... They've got kind of half zombies now, are they? Or... Difficult to tell, isn't it?
0: Yeah. But obviously... In any case, there's a whole list of different kinds of horror movie
1: baddies. That's right. So this cellar is full of these different objects referring to the different killers, and the one that they pick up and use is the one that is selected to be released to kill them. Thank you for summarising that effectively. And of course, this means that back in the control room, someone's won the sweepstake. I think it's the engineering team or something who uh, seem to always win. Um, So they're celebrating. And it's a sort of party atmosphere there, isn't it? They're all like everyone is in the control room watching and they're all having a drink and stuff. And meanwhile, of course, out in the woods shagging this couple and they get attacked. And... Uh, I think both of them wind up dead, don't they? In the attack, for, well, she goes first, and he runs back for help. That's right. Oh yeah, he he does escape, doesn't he? She he does um escape. she does you know, get nobbled and well, in two ways. He bumps into the stoner on the way back, and he says, "Come on, we've got to get back to the house." Kind of thing. That's right. Yeah. And they barricade. They try to barricade themselves in, don't they? Whilst the dad of the family, of the scary family, is kind of, you know, arriving at haste,
0: I think. I seem to remember. Yeah. Maybe
1: not. And meanwhile, back in the control room, they're a bit disturbed that, I think, that this this team of young people seem to be organising themselves. And I think they um, make another gas come out to make them do things unwisely.
0: Well, they also have put a stupid... Stupid pills in the hair dye and the shampoo, I think, or something like that. Ah,
1: yeah, that's right, yeah.
0: There's a a dumb blonde joke that comes out of that.
1: Well, this is their explanation for why in horror movies people always split up or go into the dark cellar or always do the thing that everyone is shouting at them not to do. The idea is... All horror
0: movies are actually film snuff experiences of real ghouls coming back to life in some sort of game where these engineers orchestrate it all? Is that is that the subtext of this movie, Richard?
1: Well, what we learn is, over the course of the film, what we learn is that they're performing a ritual. And this ritual involves five different kind of archetypes as tributes or sacrifices. And it's done in a... We do, because then
0: we get like the... It's almost like Greek vases kind of imagery of the five different archetypes, which are the jock, the intellectual, the scholar, uh, the scholar, the virgin, uh, the joker, the virgin and the hua. Yeah, and so it's a bit like Midsummer in that respect. You get really badly represented
1: primitive art. It is exactly like Midsummer in that respect. They literally dress them up at the end in the burning pyramid building, are not they? One of them is the fool. Yeah, and there's the scholar, and the, yeah, absolutely, it's totally nailed on in uh, Midsummer as well, and. Um, as the girl gets killed, one of them goes over and he pulls a lever and this blood material drips down and it fills out this symbolic carving of the character that she was, in this case the the whore, as it were. And That's back in HQ, yeah? Yeah, back in HQ. And apparently that's step one of this ritual. By the end when... Step one complete. whoop. whoop, whoop. When yeah. four or five of them have died, because apparently the last one doesn't have to die, as they explain. When four or five of them have died, then the ritual sacrifice will be complete. And the, but the, the person that doesn't die has to be the virgin. That's right. The last one has to be the last one, the virgin, and she, she can escape. And this is all done in order to secure... So our
0: virgin being the lady that was talking about seducing her professor. In non-ironic, non-me-too terms, just in case you thought she was a virgin.
1: And, uh, yeah, she's not a virgin, of course. This is alluded to several times. It, indeed, in the end, when someone refers to her as a virgin, she, like, gives them a look like, you know. <laughs> you're joking. <laughs> but they say, oh, well, you know, you use whatever you can, you know, whatever you, whatever you have to. As if, you know, the idea that anyone could be a virgin in this day and age is unthinkable. The purpose behind all of this, we are led to believe, is to secure the old gods who kind of live in this facility underground, sequestered away, and seemingly, presumably, on a regular basis. Is this every year? Is this annual or is it more frequent? I think it is annual, yeah. This ritual is performed and they do it in multiple locations to make sure it it works in at least one and we... let me just head back
0: to the, the supposed subtext here so it happens once a year so we're saying that we're saying that horror movies we, we watch horror movies as they are because they're a recreation of this horror or or that horror movies are all like this and we just choose the best one or, or what's this idea about horror movies going on here Rich?
1: yeah listen this was, isn't that weird? This was written in It's not quite it, square, but Paul. Well, this was written by two men in a hotel room, you know, oh, in t- in two week, like <laughs> thrash it out. You period. say
0: the logic doesn't backtrack, too. It doesn't. The, the circle isn't fully complete on this, but it's an okay kind of backstory, I guess, isn't it? You yeah. know, I like, I like I have that. It's like Ghostbusters and the and the and the weird sort of thing on the tor- on the turret of the tall building in the middle of New York. It, if you think about it, it doesn't really make sense. The portal to the other world, but there we go. <laughs>
1: You might be looking for more meaning in Ghostbusters than yeah. maybe many would.
0: <laughs> no, it really troubled me at the time. It's like, well, anyway, they're just gargoyles, and why, why those gargoyles? And did they do magic to, inv- in, you know, inv- invoke the magic that surrounds those gargoyles? And it really worried me as a, you know, as a fourteen-year-old
1: watching it for the first time. In the movie, these kids are going to get picked off one by one, grisly deaths, usual horror movie stuff. Um, and each time one of them dies one of those guys goes over to the uh, thing and pulls a lever and their symbolic carving fills up with blood uh, and it's like one more step along the way to this ritual being complete and so toward the end of their ritual the the virgin is there on the, she's fighting with the father of the crazy ghoul family uh, she's out on the Jetty over a lake, isn't she? Or something, I think, and fighting with him. And they've already pulled the lever for the fool, the the stoner guy, because apparently he got nobbled outside. He got nobbled
0: like number two on the Quite way back early, to the house yeah. with the jock. Yeah, and we didn't see any more of him. You know, we just got he got jumped from behind by by one of the. I think it's a zombie family. I'm not entirely sure. It's what not it is. Not made totally
1: it's, clear. No, but rumours of his death were. You know, unsubstantiated. And their surveillance wasn't up to, up to snuff, was it? Because he crops up again yeah. now and he saves the virgin, I think by lamping the guy with his extended telescopic bong.
0: Somebody in the QAQC team was going to get it in their
1: neck for that oversight. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they then make their escape. They actually, the pair of them discover where they had been introducing these monsters into this sort of enclosed area. Uh, this is all, by the way, after Chris Hemsworth has tried to jump his motorcycle across the ravine, and he hits that dome much earlier. But... Uh, and he died, obviously.
0: But they make... Which American TV series has involved people
1: getting stuck underneath a geodesic kind of energy energy dome? That is Under the Dome. The Stoner and the Virgin... Quasi-Virgin... We've used quasi- a lot in this episode, by the way. Uh, they... Make their way through this... Help yourself. T-
0: Please use cod or pseudo-fo-sham. Azats. <laughs> what, what do we call Tudor?
1: Mock. Mock
0: Tudor. Walking Thysauri, aren't we? So Thysauri used to roam the Earth
1: 355 <laughs> billion years ago. Anyway, go on. So they, they find their way into the facility underneath this place. Uh by going through this. Yeah, but how did they how did they uncover the Mask of the Matrix, so to speak? Well, the stoner had been sort of wandering around or crawling around and he found their way into this sort of grave, which was really a lift, I think. And he takes her back there, and they jump down, and they make their way into the facility, and then they press a button in a security room that apparently unlocks all of their sequestered, like horror movie monsters. And at this That's point, right, yeah. all these horror movie monsters jump out of the boxes and out of their cells and start playing hell in this facility. And there's all different So kinds. somebody presses override button to try and stop this happening. And then,
0: you know, the SWAT team, the internal SWAT team, you know, come down on, on wires and cables. But to no avail, apparently. Well,
1: there's just there's so many of these monsters, like cenobites and stuff, and there's reavers from Joss Whedon's other properties, and there's zombies and werewolves and dragons and all kinds of crazy horror monsters appear. It's quite it's quite spectacular and it's quite imaginative, isn't it? And it reminded me of a website which I may have talked of before, called the SCP Foundation. Whoa. Have you heard of the SCP Foundation? No. no. Oh boy. Well I've quickly gotta explain it then, haven't I? So it's a kind of what what is known as creepypasta, which is internet ghost stories. Oh I love that. And it's all user contributed.
0: It's clickbait that you can really approve of, isn't it? It's like that's what clickbait was meant to do.
1: It is when it's well written. And of course some of it isn't, but some of it is amazingly good. But you want it a little bit pulpy, don't you? You know, it's kinda The Martian, that movie that we watched which, by the way, the screenwriter was Drew Goddard who wrote and produced this film. The, Whoa. The Martians started out as an online published story by Andy Weir. That's not creepypasta so much as copypasta. But it's just online yeah. fiction, you know. The thing about the SCP Foundation is it be- it's become its own thing. It's like a Wikipedia. The idea is, imagine there is a facility or an organisation, a global organisation, whose job it is... To keep creepy and dangerous paranormal things safe from the rest of the world. Uh... And the way it's written is each SCP entry contributed by, you know, a user out there in userland, each one is a description of how you keep this thing safe and then what it is. And there are hundreds and hundreds, well, nay, thousands of them nowadays. And the best ones are really, really good and really creepy. Each one of them could be a Doctor Who episode or a Twilight Zone episode or uh, you know something similar, a Black Mirror episode in its own right. Well worth a look, SCP Foundation. That'll keep you entertained for hours. Obviously, the quality of it is variable, but it's the same idea. An organization keeping all of these things in safes, in cells, uh, in cells like a zoo, safe from the rest of the world. But, of course, in Drew Goddard's Cabin in the Woods, what they are now is part of these rituals to keep these elder gods safe and secure. They all get released out at the same time. We also see the Japanese one, don't we, going wrong or something?
0: That's amazing, yeah. It goes wrong because the girls in the schoolroom... They love bombing. ...work together. (laughs) They love bomb the whole situation, and it's amazing, yeah. (laughs) I think at the time, you know, those creepy Japanese schoolgirls in the in the in the air ducts <laughs> above hotel rooms—they were a huge thing, you know, with their matted hair and kind of thing. So, massive movie trope at the time. So, so well done for bringing that in. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so go back to these kind of Deus ex, ex machina movies. You're right. Under the Dome is like the big famous TV series one. Yeah, we watched The Loop, didn't we? Is it called The Loop, which is kind of a very classy take on this whole idea? Mm, is
1: it yeah. called In
0: the Loop or The Loop?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, the loop, uh, yeah. In the Just the, the
0: Loop, yeah, which is a classy kind of more like uh Tales from not, the Loop. Not, not steampunk, but kind of uh what would you call it? Atomic Age Punk retro futuristic take on all this kind of thing. Like the mechanisms of the robots and the weirdness is all is all quite explicit, yeah. It's all quite valvey rather than rather than transistory. Uh, and then you've got like uh Stranger Things, obviously. But then you've got the classic Village of the Dam from 1960, haven't you? Which is like the white-haired kids in Devon. And there's a weird force field and they've killed everybody in the village kind of thing. Do you remember that one? I do. I thought it was... You didn't like it. I. You know, every time I mention this, it's one of my
1: favourite movies ever. I think it's a really, really, really good movie. But other people don't like Sounds it. Sounds like we might have to revisit it. Listen, let's get to the end of this movie. Because yeah. Sigourney Weaver turns up. She's like the head of this facility. And it's all going wrong. Oh, it is
0: so gory, Roy, right? yeah.
1: And I think she tries to complete the ritual. I think she tries. Does she try to kill the stoner? But she fails in the end. I think she gets eaten by a dragon or something. And ultimately, at the end of the story, <laughs> the ritual fails. And so the old it's gods... the end of the world. Yeah, they burst out of the ground. Apparently, it's the hand of a titan coming out um, of the ground. And the, the world's going to end. So, not much chance for a sequel there, I suppose. But there we are. No. no. So, well, Paul, how do we score this?
0: Do we I score don't it? No. Well, I mean, FX can stay, plot can stay, acting can stay. It's whether you want to divide it into half for real jump scares and half for. I don't know. Is it a horror? Sort of,
1: Can it be considered it isn't horror, a horror is it? when it's deconstructed? It was
0: scary at some times though, even though it was, you know, the humour was there all the way through, but it was actually quite scary even though it's, you know, deconstructed and very much in ironic quote quotation marks. I don't know about so. scary.
1: It's more tense. I think it's tense. It's like a thriller. But I don't get a sense of supernatural horror from it because
0: No, so we can't use that as a score, I don't know what to score it in the fourth in the fourth category. It's
1: difficult. Okay, let's start with acting.
0: Yeah, it's the weakest part for me. Really,
1: Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, the girl kissing the wolf. The uh, the stoner guy was good.
0: Do you know? Yeah, I mean, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth in his latter latter famous days is only good because on more
1: famous days he's only good because he's really buff, and he's not that buff in this music movie. Is oh well, you know. Here's a funny thing. You know, you know when they first get there and they go to the lake and they all jump in the water, and the stoner wow. guy stays on the dockside, um, closed. The reason for that is the actor playing that guy, I think he's called Fran Katz or something. Had a beer belly. No, he was way buffer than the other two guys. And so the, they didn't want the stoner guy to look like the, the buff fit one. <laughs> so he had to stay on
0: the. He was like Beck. He was like a secret Beck. <laughs>
1: it's good, isn't it?
0: Don't don't try and kill Beck. He's probably really, like, kung fu ish, you know? What I mean? <laughs> That's why he's saying, you know, why don't you come and try and kill me, kind of thing. He's like, like, he's. He's done what Keanu has done in the movies Becker's done in real life.
1: I thought, I, listen, I thought I thought the acting was good. I thought the, I thought the girl kissing the wolf was amazing. I thought the virgin... Oh, that was good, actually. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to have to unmark it for that. And meanwhile, the guys doing their bit in the facility, playing it for laughs, really, a different kind of movie they're playing. But I thought they did a yeah, good job. It's Leslie Nielsen kind of movie. It's a tonal really. shift. It's a tonal shift that Drew manages fairly well. You know, there's a he maintains a thriller kind of pace to what is effectively two movies stuck together back to back. So, look,
0: okay, you convinced me. I'm going to up it from what was going to be a 5 to a 6.5. I'm going to go 7 for the acting in this film. Okay. How about the plot? I like the plot. You know, I I think it's supposed to be a little bit silly, so So yeah, I can go with all those kind of goggles on the Empire State Building non sequiturs that are kind of involved. I didn't really like how I wasn't really sure. I I think they did discover the, the large aggressive ethernet that surrounded them kind of thing. Uh, the force field thing, but I'm, I don't think it was really
1: highlighted enough in the, how did they, how did the starter discover it all? The force field was discovered because the tunnel back home had been blown up and they couldn't get back through it. And the... Um, the motorbike moment. Yeah, they took the motorbike and he tried to jump over the ravine and obviously hit the force field. I, I'll tell you what I thought about the storyline. Okay, It's a risk to deconstruct the genre you, you're supposedly working in so thoroughly. Mm that makes it all seem like self-parody. The other thing about this is... They kind of pulled that off, though, didn't they? Joss Whedon did this with Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well, though. In Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you've got this young girl... It's supposed to be this story about how a young schoolgirl, a valley girl in California or whatever, learns to take on supernatural horrors of vampires and demons... But isn't it
0: just a metaphor for Weinstein and the like in Hollywood?
1: Well, the thing is, I don't know, that's that's a good point. The thing is, the way Joss Whedon handles it, it just becomes like a weekly soap opera. Like the vampires become (laughs) not scary at all. In fact, they become love interests and stuff. And they just become a challenge to overcome for the background of teenage drama that happens. Um, People seem to love that, but I think it washes the... The, the thing that make it interesting.
0: I prefer the, they become like they become like film filmic U.S. high school bullies kind of yeah. thing, you know, jumping off the car, swaggering up, and like delivering their lines in that kind of hair flicky way.
1: Yeah, and Sarah Michelle yeah. Gellar is just going to you know like mug to the camera and go, oh god, here we go again, and then kill them all or the vampire. Yeah, yeah. I thought the film version of Buffy was better. I think it was Kirsty Swanson, wasn't it? And Are you an inveterate Buffy fan? I mean, no, I did I, like bits I'm of not, it, but... I'm not for this reason. I'm not for this... And I think Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard do this again here. They've got all these supernatural entities, some of whom can be inherently very scary, like the Cenobites are definitely scary in Clive Barker's film. But um, here, they're just like tame... Well, not tame, but they're like zoo animals. You know, they're kept by that facility. They're, they're no longer scary, unmentionable things unknowable. They're just things they're like wild animals that they let out of the zoo. So for me that's a fail. But a, a fail that... I know
0: but axiomatically this is all based on Cheech and Chongqing as I was saying. This is like you know they've smoked too much, you're supposed to smoke too much when you're watching this, you're supposed to, you're supposed to rebase your ideas of... I mean, it, it plays the other way, not that horror movies reflect a reality it's that reality reflects horror movies it's a whole kind of Still, want to turn things upside down is the moon made of green cheese kind of conjecture, isn't it? So,
1: the only thing that really scares Joss Whedon is putting a non-white face in one of his main roles. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, so plot-wise, what we said, you know, what I mean, I'll give it a, I think I'll give it a six
1: for its originality. Yeah. but
0: that's as far as we go. I'm, I'm going to be a bit higher on the plot. I thought it was a seven. You know. I think it did what it had to do, and obviously, given what it was doing, it was, it could never be a plot that you were very satisfied with.
1: Okay, special effects, then. Effects, and yeah. I
0: think the strongest point for me, actually, it's special effects. Amazing effects, really. It kind of opens up, as you say, into this, into like a, a comic book store of, of every single kind of... I uh, did like that massive. bit, yeah. Cin- Cinematographic... Cinem- cinem- uh, uh baddie. i loved that you know brilliant and also the fact that every everybody had their own sort of little uh voodoo voodoo toy to to invoke to in, invoke them underneath in the basement of the uh, of the cabin yeah just really good uh and obviously there were no- nods and winks to whatever horror franchise uh was being referenced so i think there were too many not some winks hmm. in terms of the you know the slasher moments, but all really good. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine.
1: Ooh. I'll do I'll do an eight comfortably.
0: So, last category is shall we say schismatic tonal shifts? <laughs> how, how
1: how do they do it? Well, you I'm could saying. do jump scares. Can you could do scary, terror factor? But it wasn't fundamentally a scary movie. I don't, really so. try to be, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, whatever category this means. Uh, is <clears throat> the strongest thing about it is like the previous film like the classic horror story it is it is this analysis this boiling down of horror this retelling of the horror thing and it does it's like reading uh, tv tropes so in that sense this it's a positive experience i'll give it an 8
0: yeah, so this kind of schismatic tonal shift, reworking of the whole genre kind of thing. I think it comes off the back of things like Disaster Movie, those kind of post Leslie Nielsen, really giddy forms of comedy that came back in the late noughties. Disaster Movie is one of them, and all kinds of, like, zombie movies The End of the World in Hollywood, at a Hollywood scriptwriter's house, I can't remember what that was called. Uh, there are lots of them which are really humorous takes on gross out horror. And I think it comes off the back of that quite successfully. I'm going to score it a seven for this category, this 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 murky category that we've got here. In summary, I'm going to give it an eight, Richard. I thought this was definitely worth worth an evening, or maybe two worth a rewatch. Despite I mean, my misgivings, despite and despite
1: the fact that it wouldn't have killed them to make one of the characters not white, <laughs> I I am inclined... It would have to be a villain, wouldn't it? You know, if they we're going to do it. Have I mean, to
0: be they did, a did have a black guy as a security
1: guard, didn't they? But that's a, again a bit, a bit of a cliche. Um, despite all of that, I think it it is worth seeing, especially if you've if you've listened to this podcast, because it's so full of references to other horror movies. So I'll give it a seven overall. Wow, fairly high praise fairly. for
0: this 2011 outing, Cabin in the Woods.
1: Okay, Paul. Listen, you've sort of buried buried the lead here, or you've given it away, haven't you? Given the game away? I have given it away. Given the game away because we've already chosen our next film. We have already chosen it, yeah. So let's not pretend otherwise. It's your suggestion. Don't don't paint me with this tar brush or whatever it is. What what is it, Paul? Can you explain anything about it? Uh, This is called the Consequences of Love. Consequences of Love.
0: Is it an erotic film? there's not much love going on as it happens I've already watched it and it's from way back 2003 or maybe even 2004 uh, by somebody famous or became famous because of it called Paolo Paolo something or other he's Italian it's an Italian movie very stylish do watch it that's my choice
1: well why don't you go away and read Wikipedia uh, before the next (laughs) podcast oh sorry you
0: wanted a you wanted an apposite summary of it.
1: No, 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 no. No, I mean, uh, by the time... Why
0: don't you, you, you piss off and read to Wikipedia <laughs> when you know to our podcast? No, sorry, I, I think Richard was asking me to summarise the basic... Oh, no, I'm, I'm certainly not. Movie. It's, it's, it's about a solitary and somewhat furtive Italian businessman living out most of his days in a faded, but past glory kind of hotel on the banks of Lake Geneva. Uh, And the curious events that unfold in his life. There we go. Uh,
1: Until the next time. Goodbye.